As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. We're going to preview the offense uh, going into spring practice. Joining me today is Alex Compton. Um, Alex, how are you today? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing excellent. Watching the combine here uh, a little bit, seeing how uh, some of these uh, Hoosier prospects are are doing. Uh, Nate Sudfeld is is coming up in the 40-yard dash, but uh, we're here to talk about the the current Hoosiers who are going to be taking the field uh, for spring practice uh, here shortly uh, coming up. Uh, Spring practice starts next Saturday on the 5th. Uh, with an open practice to the public on on March 6th, on that Sunday before IU basketball, um, you know, takes on Maryland potentially for uh, a Big Ten title. So that'll be uh, a a fun and exciting event uh, with all that. Let's start start with the the known commodities, uh, offensive line and and wide receiver. Uh, So, Alex, where do you where do you see uh, the offensive line? Is it going to be as strong as last year? Uh, with you know, it's tough to repeat two All Americans, but Dan Feeney is back. They lose Jason Spriggs, but is offensive line going to be strength once again for IU? Um, I would say it has to be if we want to get the offense back to any sort of the level it was at last season. I mean, look, we get Feeney back. That's that's the biggest recruit we could have gotten this off season by far. Um, adding an All American like Feeney bringing him back for his senior season. He's going to be the leader up front, obviously. <clears throat> and um, he should obviously anchor what should be a strong line. <clears throat> um, the big question yeah. here comes down to replacing Spriggs at, at left tackle. I mean, depending on what we can get from guys like Camille, who is at right tackle, possibly if he shifts over, or what we get out of uh, Brandon Knight, who played blocking tight end last last season. So, I mean, replacing Spriggs is really what it comes down to. Otherwise, we have what should be on paper a another really, really strong offensive line. Yeah, and replacing Spriggs is, is priority number one. I, I would think that um, you're right, Brandon Knight, he is going to start this spring at tackle. Uh, they have some healthy tight ends. We'll talk about that um, here in a little bit, uh, but you, you expect Brandon Knight to play one of the tackle positions if they're more comfortable moving uh, Camille over to the left tackle. Uh, we'll see. But uh, another guy they have to replace is Jake Reed at center. I, I think right. Wes Rogers uh, would play there. Um, so that's another guy who's who kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit between Spriggs and uh, Feeney was Jake Reed. Um, so replacing him uh, will be will be tough as well, and, and especially in that, that shotgun uh, formation with a new quarterback developing a relationship between the center and the quarterback uh, is is going to be 
you know, it, it's it's tough, but it, it'll have to happen and see if there's any growing pains in that relationship. Uh, anyway, uh, next up, our next known commodity, uh, wide receivers, Alex. There is a, a, a ton of depth here. Uh, you have, you know, Dominic Booth posted on Facebook that he's finally medically cleared. Um, he posted that yesterday. You have Jason Harris returning from uh, knee surgery uh, last summer, and he's back in the mix. So there's really a ton of depth, and, and we want to see where each of them will play, how many snaps they're going to play, you know, probably coming back from injury, they'll they'll be on the lower side and, and get them ramped up for uh, going into the fall. But, you know, there is a ton of depth here at, at wide receiver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you mentioned a guy like Jason Harris. Uh, obviously, he goes down with that ACL before his sophomore season. But, I mean, as a freshman, he 18 catches, 168 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, He's an absolute speedster, and, I mean, there's always touches for guys like that on offense. I could see Harris being kind of that jet sweep guy or a guy that they'll just line up on the outside and just let him use his strength of just taking the ball deep. Um, Look, whoever ends up winning the quarterback battle, if they don't play well, it's not because they don't have weapons to throw the ball to. I mean, you look at what this team has, especially at receiver, and, I mean, it is just really, really impressive. Um you said Harris already. If we can get something out of a former four-star recruit in Dom Booth, I mean, he's got size and speed. He just really hasn't been able to stay healthy and put everything together. Um, then you got returnees like Westbrook, who also has a big frame, big, big body. Um, you got Simi Cobbs, who 1,000-yard receiver last season. Obviously, he should be in for another big year. And then um, Ricky Jones, who I always felt like, kind of underutilized. He, I think he led the nation in receiving yards through the first four games, and then he kind of just – he didn't fall off necessarily, but I feel like he could have been still uh, more utilized. And then you got, like, Luke Timian. He had a couple big catches, uh, kind of unheralded, but uh, transferred from Oklahoma State. So, I mean, there are just weapons all across the field, and I really hope that whoever wins this quarterback battle is really comfortable with all of them because it would be fun to see the ball spread around a ton next season. Yeah, and you, you bring up Simi Cobbs and Ricky Jones. I think Ricky Jones is dealing with an ankle injury uh, in the middle of last year. Plus, he he was the guy that, you know, you saw was an add-on to the Bolitnikoff watch list, um, and defenses really started guarding him, double-teaming him a little bit more. But, you know, and a guy we forgot to mention was Mitchell Page, uh, who came on uh, really strong both as a punt returner and as a go-to guy at receiver. Uh, Page is a, a slot guy. He's a prototypical slot guy, uh, maybe a little bit small small for that position, but he, he is shorthanded. Um, he made a lot of big catches, uh, and, and I think that you could see him being used. Some of his snaps might be taken by Jay Sean Harris uh, and some of these other slot guys, uh, maybe Don Booth, but he's a guy who – you know, maybe if he doesn't play as much, is a little bit fresher. Maybe you could use him on kick returns as well. Um, he, he did return two punts for touchdowns last year. So you know, Mitchell Page is, is a, a glue guy. He's a leader. He's a leader in the in the in the weight room. He's a leader in the locker room, and, and he's a guy who's going to be productive as well. Now, is he going to catch as many balls as last year? I don't think any of these guys are going to 
match the number of catches they had last year just because of the depth they have at receiver and the ability to, you know, to run in, out, run, uh, run in and out two different teams with quality depth. Uh, and that's a big thing. You saw maybe in the bowl game a little bit that they that Mitchell Page ran out of gas uh, there in overtime. They went to to the well too many times. But now, you know, if you could replace Mitchell Page in some of these situations with Jason Harris, um, you know, it's it's quality depth, and that's a luxury. Now, I'm not, you know, it's not a knock on any of these guys, but with so much depth, you're going to see a lot of guys catching balls, a lot of guys running in and out in different formations, and it, and it gives them a lot, uh, gives the coaches a lot more to work with in terms of, uh, of, of building a, a bigger playbook. Um, so let's move uh, let's move on to tight ends, uh, sticking with the the kind of receivers uh, here, Alex. Uh, tight ends, they I think they only have. Uh, I don't have the roster uh, yet, official roster for spring, but they they have three healthy tight ends, uh, scholarship tight ends coming back. Uh, Jordan Fuchs will be healthy. Um, Danny Friend is back from uh, a quad injury. I believe he tore his his quad. Um, And then you have uh, Austin Doris, who redshirted last year. So three guys uh, who we really haven't seen a lot of. Danny Friend has been battling injuries his whole career. Jordan Fuchs battled injuries last year, and then obviously Doris, um, who did not uh, who did not play last year for a red shirt. But tight end is it might be another strength this year. Uh, you have some guys coming in in the signing class as well. Um, so you know, Danny Friend. Let's start with Danny Friend. Uh, I thought Danny Friend played terrifically over the first four games. He got hurt against Wake Forest. Uh, and he was a major reason why this running game was so good last year. Uh, as that blocking tight end, he could go out and catch a couple passes as well. Um, but who else stands out to you in the, in the tight end position, Alex? I mean, I think uh, Jordan Fuchs, when you look at him, he's a guy that I think really could help uh, Legault or Diamond or really whoever ends up winning the battle become real comfortable. Um, 6'6", 230. He can go over the middle. He can go up in traffic and catch the ball. He had two touchdowns against Rutgers um, on, like, those little quick slant theme type routes. So I think that getting Fuchs healthy should be a real big boost. He's not as good of a blocker as the Danny friend, but I think he could kind of be an X factor or somebody that you may not, like, think about heading into next season that could put up some nice numbers. Exactly. You know, Fuchs has that – ability to create mismatches on the field. He's, um, well, he's not a super big tight end. He's, he's six, six. Uh, so he has the height. He's too big for, you know, safeties to guard one-on-one and is too fast for linebackers. So he kind of gives you that, that ability to maybe split him out in the slot a little bit and go with a bigger, uh, receiver package, um, in the red zone, you know, you mentioned the Rutgers game where he had two touchdowns. Uh, there was a play against Ohio State where, you know, they looked for him in the end zone. The ball was knocked away. Um, I don't even think if he caught that, he would have been in bounds. But, you know, he's a guy who could be a real weapon if he stays healthy, um, and hopefully he does because uh, he's a guy with, with a lot of potential and could be a real, real, real good weapon for IU in the red zone. Uh, where they need some bigger receivers. And, and that's another strength with this signing class coming in. I don't think they 
they signed a receiver who's under six foot two. Um, next, we'll talk about uh, Austin Doris. Uh, Alex Austin redshirted last year. He's a big guy. Uh, he played uh, quarterback in high school uh, as well uh, because this high school team needed a quarterback, and it, it was just a man against boys uh, at times. It looked like. Uh, so look for for Austin Doris to, to break into the lineup too. I think this is a very big spring for him, uh, with only three scholarship tight ends coming back before uh, all these guys uh, come in in the summer with uh, Ian Thompson, Tom, uh, Ian Thompson, uh, the JUCO transfer from Nassau Community College. You have uh, Sean Bonner, uh, who's a good tight end from Georgia. So this is a time for Austin Doris to get in some quality reps, show the coaching staff what he um, what he's done in the off season and with his redshirt year, and potentially become that thir- second and third tight end um, in the receiving and the blocking game. Yeah, I mean he's got. You look at him; he's six five, two forty. He's got all the tools, like he said in high school. He just dominated guys purely with his athleticism. I mean, he's kind of. Uh, a blend, I would say, of um, he's almost a blend of Fuchs and uh, Danny Friend. He's a good blocker because of his size. He's strong. But then he's also quick enough to go out over the middle, make a few guys miss, and bring down some tough catches. I mean, um, just looking at his high school stats, his senior year he ran for 1,400 yards and then threw for 1,000. Obviously, the throwing yards don't do us much good now. But, I mean, just the ability to run for 1,400 yards playing quarterback at 6'5", I mean, that's pretty impressive and something that should definitely translate over to our offense uh, this this upcoming season. Yeah, and, and again, with the depth, it'll allow people to stay fresh. Uh, hopefully it will allow uh, these guys who have been injury-prone in the past to, uh, you know, battle that a little bit better and, and get off the field and, and get the rest that they need um, and, and become more productive players. Uh Alex, the next two positions will go uh, quarterback, the running back. These are the biggest questions for IU going into 2016. Uh, you'd lose Nate Sudfeld uh, to graduation. Uh, you'd bring back Austin King. Uh, Xander Diamant is uh, in the mix, probably. I uh, have Danny Cameron. And then the, the, the big guy, uh, Richard Legault, who's the JUCO transfer, um, you know, he hasn't been named the starter, but I, in my opinion, I think it's his his position to lose. Um, you know, you saw Xander tweet out, uh, "Well, it's on," uh, and, and looking for that, looking forward to that uh, quarterback battle, which is something you want to see. You don't want to see oh him hand over the keys. You want to see a guy who likes competition um, and and who's not afraid of it. And that's what Xander Diamant brings to the table. You know, you say what you want about his abilities, but the guy is a fiery competitor. Um, he gives it his all, all the time. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to take a hit. He's not afraid to do anything. You saw him uh, come in against Ohio State uh, last season. He played okay. Uh, you know, you saw him against Penn State, and then he got hurt. That's the problem. That's the issue with Xander is, you know, has he put on enough weight to, to actually protect himself? Uh, in the Big Ten. Um, you have redshirt freshman Austin King. Uh, we'll see what he brings to the table uh, during spring practice. But uh, let's talk about Legault, um, Legault first. Uh, he's 
Sudfeld-esque in terms of size. Uh, we saw him at the uh, winter workout on, on Wednesday, Alex. He looks like he's fit in with the team well. Um, he's becoming a leader. Uh, you saw him, you know, joking around with the guys um, and, and not really an outcast, which, you know, sometimes could be a problem with the guy coming in mid-year uh, from from a junior college. So uh, what do you like about uh, about Richard Legault going into spring practice? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this is obviously his uh, third school. Um, but like you kind of said, he's fitting in with the guys. And something that I found interesting was that he said he wants to earn it. He wants to, you know, be be part of this team, and he just he doesn't want to get it handed over. So I think him coming in with that attitude that he wants to work, he wants to gain the respect of his teammates, he wants to show everybody what he can do. I think that it's, that's been really important for him so far as uh, spring practice is approaching. Um, you said the size. I mean, six six, he can make make all the throws, which is something that Coach Wilson has always really looked for in his offense is somebody that can throw the ball all across the field. Um, based on what we watched at the winter workouts, I mean, he looks, he looked quick, big strides. Obviously we're not going to be relying on his legs to make plays too much, but obviously something that you want once in a while. Um, but I mean, the ability to make all the throws all across the field and with all of these playmakers that we just talked about at receiver and tight end, I mean, he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to come in and be Nate Sudfeld. He has to come in and be basically, he has to be serviceable. We have guys that can make the plays for him. His job is simply going to be just to get them the ball and limit mistakes, kind of be in more of a game manager mode because the offense on paper with all of the playmakers is, is really explosive, but it's just going to be his job to kind of facilitate all those touches. Yeah, and, you know, you, you mentioned this before, Alex. The the pieces are there uh, in terms of, of of skill positions and, and the offensive line. I mean, this offense, um, you know, they might take a step back the first couple of games. They are breaking in a new quarterback. They are going to probably break in a new running back um, as well as a couple pieces on the line. But this offense has all the pieces there to produce another uh, conference-leading um you know, unit. Uh, so, you know, it, it's very exciting. It's, there's, you know, it, it's not like 2014 where you were young at one position, um, as, at wide receiver, uh, unfortunately Sudfeld went down and then they just, you know, with the, the with Diamant playing as a, as a true freshman, which wasn't supposed to happen. Um, you know, there, there are a lot fewer question marks going into this year than there were in, in I would say the last five years uh, of Indiana football uh, in terms of offense. Um, so we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see how that battle uh, breaks out. You know, I'm glad Richard Lagoa said that he he's looking forward to earning it. That's a trait that you want in your quarterback. You don't want somebody coming in expecting to be handed the job. Um, you know, so that's that's huge um, in my book. Um, now, now we'll talk about uh, a position I'm I'm excited about, a position that that really under Kevin Wilson has flourished uh, is uh, running back. You know, Indiana has has had tremendous success over the last um, basically since Wilson has been here. Uh, you had Stephen Houston, uh, you had Tevin Coleman uh, for 2013 and 14 had tremendous years. Jordan Howard and Divine Redding last year uh, had had tremendous years. So the 
I don't want to say Indiana's becoming running back you yet because it's only been a, a five-year uh, sample size, but this has become a position of strength for them where in the past it hasn't been. And a lot of that does have to do with the offensive line, but I remember watching Big Ten games where Indiana would, would rush for 67 yards, um, you know, and you know maybe average 100 yards on the season uh, per game. But now, you know, the big question is who's going to start for them? Uh, you know, it's been rumored that Camion Patrick has uh, moved to running back. Uh, he was ineligible last year, and Wilson has alluded to him being the best player on the team. Now, if you go on to his Instagram, there are – posts and videos of him at running back um, in practices for IU going absolutely insane and, you know, trucking people, running over people, making moves. Uh, Now, I understand it is the Indiana defense, but, you know, it's their number one defense, and the guy is – looks like an absolute monster. So it would be shocking to me uh, with the depth they have at wide receiver to see him play and start at wide receiver, but – I think he's going to be coming into the season. Um, coming into the season, he will probably be your number one running back. Uh, his skill set is tremendous, um, and it's, it's just exciting to to have a guy like that on the team. Um, now, I, I, I think number two, I think Divine Redding, uh, he was excellent last year, and I think you know you need two running backs in college. You saw, you know, Jordan Howard got hurt. You know, Tevin Coleman the year before played in all the games, but he had a uh, a broken foot. Um, you saw him the year before that. He he was out, and they used two running backs. So, you know, Kevin Wilson loves to use two running backs, and I think Devine could have another great season as a number two back. Um, and, and you saw him in the last three games, the win over Maryland and Purdue, uh, and the bowl game where he he showed that he could be a number one back. And there will be a battle. Um, but, you know, I think there – I won't say split carries, but you'll see a lot of both Camion and and Divine Redding. Uh, Alex, what's, what's your take on, on the running back position? Yeah, I mean, Camion Patrick, that's another guy, just an explosive, explosive playmaker. I mean, if we can – Lego, if he can just turn around, hand the ball off to him and feel comfortable doing that, I mean, that's another thing that will help him kind of get going in the offense. Um, and then you look at Redding, I mean, losing Howard last season towards the end of the year, um, the bowl, the performance he put uh, together in the bowl game made me feel a lot better about Redding uh, for these next two seasons. I think he can be the number one back, but I think he is better suited for that backup role where he gives you kind of a change of pace. He had over 1,000 yards rushing last year, like you said. So he's proven, which is always, always good to have at the running back position. And then moving down, you have Mike Majette, who sort of turned some heads last year. Um, freshman, he had he did, no, did. a great game against Rutgers. Um, and then, so you look at him, he could probably stay at the number three. And then moving down, you have uh, walk-ons, Ricky Brookings and Alex Rodriguez, who both showed that they could play some uh, meaningful snaps. A-Rod had a touchdown in Yankee Stadium, which he uh, – that he's the first A-Rod to score a touchdown in Yankee Stadium, so that was pretty funny. But uh, And then you look at guys tra- are coming in. you got Cole Guest. I think he probably red shirts. But then you have Keontae Ennis, who he could challenge for some carries, but I think due to the depth, he probably red shirts as well. So, again, you, just, you look at the offense, 
besides replacing Spriggs and Sudfeld, I mean, you have just a solid, solid unit of guys who can just go out there and make plays. And I think finishing any worse than top two in the offense or in the conference and offense would sort of be a disappointment based on all of these guys that we have to put on the field next season. Yeah, and and if you look at the conference and the offense, there's a lot of questions. Now, uh, you know, Ohio State's offense is going to be pretty good. They have JT Barrett back. But, you know, who's who's playing quarterback at Michigan? Who's playing quarterback at Michigan State? Who's taking over for Hackenberg at Penn State? You know, are you really think that Maryland and, and Rutgers are going to have a great offense? Uh, you look at the West, um, you know, Iowa's offense is – is good, but it's still Iowa. They're not going to be an explosive uh, offense. Northwestern's offense wasn't great last year. Uh, Nebraska, while returning Tommy Armstrong Jr., might not have a, a as an explosive offense. So you're right, Alex, that you know top anywhere outside of the top two might be a little surprising. Um, so you know we'll see. Uh, you know, one one other thing I want to say about Camion and, and the depth of running back, it gives you a chance to move pieces around. You could put Camion in the slot, have Divine uh, at running back, and really not lose any any talent on the field. Uh, so, you know, it should – this offense is becoming hard to stop. Um, you know, they averaged over uh, – thirty. You know, I think it was 34 points per game, um, and, and it's really becoming that – that dominant offense that Kevin Wilson was known for at at uh, Oklahoma, uh, whereas you know a couple years ago, especially with with Kofi and and Cody Latimer and all those guys, whereas you know sometimes a flash in the pan in terms of they'll either score on three plays or they'll punt the ball. Whereas now this is a and you saw it last year. This is an offense that can drive the field and. You know, looking at Western the Western Kentucky game. Now I know it's Western Kentucky, but they had two drives over 95 yards, I believe, uh, four scores. Where you know a couple years ago that that might not have been possible. Uh, where you might get a big play and and score in two plays. Where they had five, six, seven minute drives uh, going down the field, imposing their will on people. Um, and, and he saw it against Michigan too. Uh, that that last drive to take the lead in in the fourth quarter. Um, you know this offense has really really become uh, something that that that's more consistent and, and should be uh, expected to finish in the top two. And I know those are high expectations, but I, I bet I bet my bottom dollar that the coaching staff. We'll be expecting them to finish in the top two in the in the conference and offense as well. Uh, so there's a, there's a ton of depth, uh, there's a ton of talent. Now we'll see how these pieces fit together. Uh, that's always uh, something that has to stand out. Uh, we'll see how they start to gel in spring, uh, but more importantly, when we get to the fall practices, hopefully we get to see a few of those. Um, but seeing how how they grow from the spring over the summer, into fall practice is going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, like you said, obviously how the parts kind of work together is always a a question, but the thing about our offense that I think, for me, kind of gets rid of that concern is the fact that we can give multiple people the ball in many different ways. You talked about Camion possibly moving to the slot for some plays. 
I mean, he could be that jet sweep guy for plays and have Redding back there. Or you could just you could do so many different things, and it's just thinking about all the combinations, all the different plays we can run, the tempos. It's just right now it's just a little overwhelming, and I, I really cannot wait to get to that first open practice on the sixth. Yeah, and you know, you you say it's overwhelming, and it, and it is it is to a point where it's like wow. There are a lot of pieces coming back, a lot of pieces that should fit well. Um, and this is the spring where you could be excited without really being nervous um, about the offense. Now, you, sh- you know, if, if Legault isn't as advertised, yeah, that that might make you a little bit nervous. But this is, you know, where you're probably more excited about the spring than you are nervous about it. And, um, you know, I, I – to me, this is the first time that I've felt that in a while. Um, so I, I'm excited to get see them at that open practice. Uh, the spring game is Friday, April 15th. I, I believe it will be in the evening, probably after the women's race on, on Little 500. Uh, that would make sense uh, to me and, and give a chance for fans to come down, uh, maybe get those students who were at the women's race into um, into Memorial Stadium for the spring game. I know Wilson wants a big crowd. Um, and with this offense, just to see this offense work is, is going to be excited. Uh, but, Alex, I know you're you're part of the Student Athletic Board, one of their directors. Uh, what do you guys, IU basketball is is having a, a magical season. Uh, to, to put it one way, they, you know, they kind of look dead in the water after Maui, but, you know, they've turned the corner – uh, control their own destiny for the Big Ten. I believe they need to win uh, one of the next two um, to, to clinch at least a, a part of that Big Ten title. But what, what events do you have coming up uh, for IU basketball? Yeah, so uh, IU, IUVB, obviously, magical, magical season. Um, but we are having a watch party in Assembly Hall for the Iowa game this Tuesday. Um, that game's at 9 o'clock. Doors are going to open at 8.30, and that's free. So we're going to have the game, the broadcast of the game, on the on the Jumbotron, and everybody can just sit in the assembly hall and watch the game together. And that could possibly be to win the Big Ten outright. Um, if Maryland loses at Purdue today and we beat Iowa on Tuesday, that would make us outright Big Ten champs. But um, if we win one of the last two, we cannot do any worse than a tie for first. So – I definitely encourage anybody to come, anybody to bring friends, whatever, um, free at 9 o'clock, open to everyone. So we hope to see tons and tons of people there because it, it could be an awesome night. Yeah, that's, that's something that, you know, if you're a student, enjoy um, enjoy it. When I was a student, IU basketball was going through transition. I saw three coaches. Had, Mike Davis was my freshman year. I went through the Samson years and the early years of Tom Crean. So enjoy um, IU basketball's run at a Big Ten title. Uh, go to the event. I I I would go if, if I could make it down to Bloomington, but it's something that it sounds awesome, Alex. Uh, you know, And don't forget women's basketball. Women's basketball, too, is having yeah. a great yep. season. Um, you know, I think they're in play for – a top four seed uh, in the Big Ten tournament and are looking to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. So uh, support your other other Hoosier teams. Alex will uh, will be down in Bloomington on Sunday at, at practice. Uh, but for now, 
we do have our red shirt previews continuing. Uh, we have some NFL draft stuff up on the site as well. Uh, thanks for joining me, Alex, and, and enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Yep, thanks for having me on. I'm going to go uh, make up some mock mock depth charts looking at all our offensive options for next year. So, uh, thanks. That sounds good. Um, thanks for joining us again, and uh, we'll be back uh, next Saturday uh, to preview the defense. Uh, you know, it, it's something that, that has been a concern, but uh, we'll see if the new defensive coordinator, new defensive line coach can improve um, upon their numbers. You know, it can't get much worse, but um, we'll see how that goes. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, check back to Hoosier Huddle often. We have uh, new stuff coming out every day. And, uh, you know, thanks for joining us on a, on a wonderful Saturday afternoon. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.